0: By alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Goal.
1: Everything you wanted from this debut. It's Brandon by
0: taking a shot with the left. Goal!
2: Isaac Frank from 25 yards out! The equalizer!
0: Will Kidd with the touch to the goal! It's a go-ahead goal! Minneapolis City! This is
1: the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. Brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. hi host, soccer neighbors. This is the People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City SC. I am your host, Nate, joined as always by the Lenny to my Carl, Minneapolis (laughs) City Sporting... (laughs) Sporting Director John Bizworm, John, what is up, dude? Are we just another day in paradise? Am I right?
2: I really am appreciating your Simpsons references. In that uh, was a good in, one. In the intro. I, I wish you would have added a diddly ho in there, um, but
1: <laughs> yeah, you, I could have kept it going. <laughs> yeah, you definitely you could have. have oh,
2: <laughs> but I'm good, man. Thank you so much uh, for asking. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm in a happy place as far as soccer is concerned because with all the craziness that came out of the the presidential election and then the covid business that's that's ramped up um, you can get down on yourself but uh, right now a lot of stuff happening um, in city headquarters as we uh, we finished today up with the member meeting and uh, which was a, a great meeting Dan didn't belabor topics too much which I think is the lack of drinking
1: beers at the local <laughs> that's true he we did we did finish in record time and then we opened it up to the citizens and they'll all hell broke loose, <laughs>
2: which, it, which it usually <laughs> does. Um, but Nate, we have another good show this week for these folks. Uh, we have less volume of topics to cover, but some real depth. We uh, we start out talking about the future. The futures program uh, started this week, so we'll give an update on on where we're at with the new part of the pro, of the of the club. Um, since it kicked off this past weekend. Um, and then we will run the theme of new members to the Crow coaching staff as we welcome uh, newly crowned Minneapolis City 2's head coach, Michael Prunty. So let's just get started, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, John, you have been uh, spending a ton of time at the Futures trial. Last week we, we broke <laughs> so it <tired>. down. <laughs> so tired. <laughs> uh, last week we broke it down and kind of talked about the, the trials coming coming that are coming up. And, uh, and the process, then the whole, that whole process, you gave us kind of a rundown of the ins and outs of it. And, uh, we talked about, you know, back in the day when we were talking to Jeremiah Johnson about his idea for what could be the futures. And now it's real, man. It's here. It's happening. It's a thing. uh, The kids are out there and the kids are good. Uh, can you, you know, tell us a little bit about how it's been going uh, especially starting, what did it start last Saturday with the first trial session?
2: Correct. So for sure, man, um, to start it off, uh, we have to give credit where credit's due. Um, big shout out to the, the back office staff who helped us pull off uh, a pretty seamless check-in process. Uh, Sarah, Dan, and then Minneapolis City forever intern and Stegman's president, Daniel Warner, did a fantastic-
1: for, did Forever a fan- <laughs> the world's oldest intern.
2: Yeah, exactly. They They did a fantastic job of the check-in process, which- is, is a super hard part of of the experience that a lot of people don't realize. Um, then you know, we I mean, <laughs> we've gone through how many trials in the past six years. <laughs> I mean, it's been a it's been uh, it's been a lot. <laughs> so um, I, I know I know dealing with it firsthand. Uh, but that they were dealt with things like a pandemic. Um, we're now dealing with younger players. And with that, you yep. have something I like to call the parent layer. Um, oh, my is, gosh. Is, the... is on, on that.
1: Um, I can only imagine.
2: Yeah. Uh, you, then you have safety forms you have to fill out, trial waivers. I mean, you name it, man. Um, so well done, folks. Round of applause to them uh, for getting everyone checked in safely and, uh, and ready to play. Um, but on to the details. We, we had two groups of trialists, um, an A and a B session on Saturday. Um and then the A the A trialists came back this past Monday and then the B trialists were last night. Um about forty players each session. Um and, and the wow. thing and the things were uh things were split up into two groups because of the fact that um we needed ample time because we're playing indoors now. We need ample time yeah. to get the first group out and and organize the equipment, you know, sterilize what we needed to sterilize.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know break out um, different coaches in different areas so you weren't even necessarily evaluating the same thing um, a there's lot. so many
1: logistics you never would have thought of last year either
2: hmm absolutely um, and since it's a it's an extensive trial process you really gotta and it's the first the first opportunity we're doing this with this category of player so you got to pull it off man you can't like you can't you got a whole asset you can't half asset so we we <laughs> We really had to, um, you know, to, to cross all the, uh, all the T's and dot the I's from not only the check-in process I mentioned, but also from getting prepared. for. So when these players got in there, it was organized. Um, we put out, um, you know, socially distanced cones for each player to go to with their equipment to get ready so the players were separated. Um, you know, making sure everyone's got their masks on and a whole bunch of stuff that, um, you know, we never would have thought about unless we were in a pandemic. So another hats off to our coaching staff.
1: It feels like we've been talking about the trial process beginning for a long time. What happened finally when the balls were rolled out? Well, I mean, first off,
2: in a, in a trial process, um, it can be a total mind melt for a player. Um, you know, you're tossed into the mix with players you likely don't even know. Um, you've, you've probably never played with them. They have different playing styles. They come from different backgrounds. And Then all of a sudden, at the turn of a key or at the jump, it's like, go perform because you're, you need to make the team. Um, yeah and, and not to mention now we're dealing with 16 to 19 year olds um, who many of them have never been part of a process at this level of intensity um, or professionalism um, that that we expect um, as far as the activities go um, and, and they're concerned we kept it pretty light in the first um, the first day last Saturday in the first two sessions um, to kind of just get players eased into the the trial process with us so after a, a, a brief, to chat from um, from Futures Mastermind and head coach Jeremiah Johnson. Um, we got the players into in you know in, in through warm ups and then into um, some more of the the technical type drills. Um, that that we we wanted to, to run them through that were you know less less impact less um, intensity um, and then we split the we split the field players up with the goalkeepers so they could be properly evaluated. With um, Allie was running the session for the the goalkeepers, um, so that's kind of how how it, it it worked out. And then we uh, we ended the the latter half of the session with seven v seven, which is going to be the the second half of the sub- supplementary model that the futures program is going to be. So we wanted to see what players. Mm-hmm looked like when they well, they had time on the ball to make some decisions but then all, all of a sudden we ratcheted things up to a 100 and we're like now go play a fast place 77 game
1: so you said something like what 80 players showed up total like uh, what how, what was their makeup like how many where are they from kind of what was their what was their style and kind of what were your impressions of what must have been a very uh, diverse varied group?
2: Yeah. I mean, the player makeup was, it was an awesome mix. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, you know, when you go into this, you never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, we did because we did go through a recruitment period. Um, but even then the recruitment period was handcuffed by the fact that we weren't allowed to go watch high school games, unless you were a coach and you're playing as a player that we liked. Um, sure. which, so it, it was, <laughs> it was, it was very much up to, um, you know, referrals from, Uh, clubs and club directors and coaches that we have relationships with, as well as players off the street, Um, you know, players that uh, we, you know, Max Kent's brother is, is trying out. So we have, Oh, cool. We have some legacy, uh, our our first ever opportunity to maybe have a a legacy player join the futures program. (laughs) Um, so you got guys from the suburbs, from the inner city and all the way in between. And for me, that was really fantastic because we got a chance to not only see different playing styles from these kids. Um, but with the focus of the program being to elevate the level of play in the state of Minnesota, it really was a chance for a lot of these guys to step outside of their unique little soccer bubble with whatever it may be, whatever the markup of their unique soccer bubble is, um, and see how the other half plays. And by, by doing this, you can really tell the players that are able to elevate and adapt to that, um, which is what we're looking for. But mostly you get to see how great it is that we've essentially created the, the, the baby brotherhood of, of these young guys.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. So, I mean, you get past day one, right? How did, uh, you know, what did day two look like? And were there any setbacks after that first after that first session?
2: Uh, session two looked quite a bit different as we we played, you know, um, we played them, you know, out for, you know, we talked about how we, we kind of separated them out for 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 two groups on different days for obvious reasons. Um, we can't have 80 players in one indoor space. Um, group A got the luxury of not having to deal with um, the five inches of snow that fell last night. Um so session B was, um, it kind of caused some problems. You got to roll with the punches because a number of players missed it because of the weather. Um, we also found out that there was a um, <clears throat> a club experience where some of these players were coming from in between the Saturday session and um, our our Tuesday session, with um, that required some players to take some fourteen day quarantines because of COVID oh. exposures. So um, that was a club
1: issue, not not a Minneapolis City issue.
2: Yeah, it was coming from externally. So. You know we, we did our due diligence and made the right call of 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 making sure that those players didn't skip their uh, the quarantine process because they were ex- so excited about the futures opportunity. So we sure. had to, we had to have some players that uh, that uh, we had to communicate not not coming or players that came to us and said, hey I'm I, I have to uh, I have to take some time off because I was exposed. So it shows a little bit of maturity for a high school kid to say yeah. like I'm making I'm making the right decision here. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of different things thrown at us, man.
1: Did Um, those guys get, um, are those guys going to get a makeup session or they're evaluated just on that one session?
2: Well, we're, we're also fighting with the fact that club soccer starting. And then a lot of these guys do play high school hockey. Um, so you have that thrown into the mix too. So we don't have a lot of opportunities for these guys to close the gap on the guys that did turn up or that are COVID free or COVID safe, I guess you could say. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out ways to get around that. Um, 1 of the implementations that we have is from a fitness test perspective, which we ran the guys through in the, in the 2nd day of the sessions, um, or the 2nd session of the trial process, um, sending them, uh, videos of what they need to do and then allowing them the opportunity to send a video back of them doing it with their times. Um, So that's one opportunity that we've, we've provided players. Another opportunity would be any of our other trial processes that we have out there. Um, We're going to have to, to continue to think of alternative ways, Um, maybe looking at um, having them send us game film so we can, we can watch some, some full uh, 80 minute high school games or 90 minute club games um, of these guys and, and try to evaluate them at that point. But we'll, we'll give everyone a fair shake because of the, the weird time we're living in. We, we, we have to be, not only understanding, but adapt. So, um, nothing as, as of like a concrete, if you missed session two and four, you can come on this date and then that's, that's your makeup. We haven't quite gotten to that point yet.
1: Okay. How, so what, what did you put these guys through at every session? Like, how are you evaluating kids who, like you said, came from tons of different backgrounds?
2: Well, We talked about, you know, day one was kind of technical and, and then ratcheting things up into a game atmosphere right away. Um, but uh, the second session was our chance to see these players run through a litany of fitness tests, um, and they were um, both with and without a ball, and they were all timed activities. Um, and I think that helped us kind of get a it, get, it helps you get a different look at these players um, that may have shown out in the technical piece or the game settings, but perhaps fall down a bit from a being in shape perspective. Um, and what you also see then is you know. Some of the players, you know, namely, I would say the top half of the players that have come out, um, the ones that elevate once again in a different, uh, in a different opportunity. So the guys that maybe did are great technical players. They showed out in the, in the sevens, but then all of a sudden they go into fitness tests and they're the ones that are finishing 1st, and they have the Mm. clean, they have the cleanest touches in the agility drills. So you're able to kind of you're really able to see that that complete player. Um. Yes, there were um uh, you know some guys that had to take a break to visit old uncle Ralph in the bathroom um <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh I think was very eye-opening for them because this is not it wasn't that we were beating these guys into submission it was more so that like you you're going to have to go through some pretty serious fitness tests because that's the level of, of program you're trying to get into. This isn't, sure. this isn't your high school program where it's like go run the mile and then how many times can you juggle? Um, or... I, have,
1: I have never heard visit uncle Ralph.
2: <laughs> <laughs> First time for everything, Nate. Um, <laughs> but it, it showed that the guy, these guys that we, we mean business. And uh, obviously we weren't, uh, we, we have, we have a full training staff. So we weren't, uh, you know, I'll, 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 do the disclaimer. We weren't making guys jump into something that they couldn't do after they maybe have gotten sick because they were a little out of shape or they uh, they ate too close to training. Um, so we 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 did uh, did our part on that end. Um, but it was uh, it, it, again, it was a chance for these guys to see that this isn't your uh, your everyday club experience. This is something totally yeah. different. I
1: want I want to kick it back to something that you mentioned earlier about the makeup of the trialists. Um, because. The kind of diversity that you must have got 80, 80 players from all over the metro means that there are going to be kids coming from all sorts of soccer systems, right? Mm-hmm. And that means so many different playing styles um, and, and s- strengths of these players to call on. And that, you know, whether it's possession-based, direct play, you know, even these unpolished kids, right? And that also means that if you're recruiting or developing for a system, like I'm sure you are, you're going to start to pick for the system, which I feel like that might be unfair to do <clears throat> at this stage. Mm-hmm. How how are you maintaining like the diversity of play that you must have been getting in the in the tryouts? And is this is future going to be an environment where you know you're a kid from Stillwater and his you know build build from the back style might mesh or has the opportunity to mesh really well with you know kids that are used to more of a free flowing attack or reliance of on the ball skill things well, like I- that.
2: I I think, I think you kind of answered your question. Um, We, 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 so basically if we go back to the, the, the makeup, you know, I mean, you're going to see a lot of kids that are from more of a free form Mm -hmm. soccer um, culture. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the ethnic um, the, the kids that came from more of an ethnic background are, are uh, they, they hit that nail completely on the head. Very good individually on the ball. Um, when you open in, in very good in tight spaces, but when you open things up, you know, maybe that their development piece that we need to help them with is what to do in larger spaces with different players running off the ball and, and seeing the runs before they're made kind of thing. Um, sure. But then you you do have your your kids that come from more of the traditional club background where their, their emphasis is more on that, build, build out of the back, move off the ball, um, you know, tactically. Build as a uh, build build an offense as a unit defend as a unit where some of the kids, you know, defense is a 4 letter word for them. <laughs> they never heard it before. Um, uh, but in, in all honesty, it, it was so great to see. That when we, when we did get them into playing opportunities and out of the individual skills, stuff and fitness to see how it all kind of fit together. And, and we ended up having the opportunity to get through, because we had less players at the, se- the, the session last night because of the weather sure. and, and everything that I mentioned, um, we were able to go 11s. And it was something that we hadn't necessarily fit into the, the makeup of the trial at this stage yet. Um, uh-huh. but, but we were able to see some of these kids and how they work in, uh, at, at, in a full 11 aside. As far as the the program itself goes, um, you know, I think 100% we're looking for the top players. Um, and if that means that we have, you know, 40 center midfielders, um, that that's what it means because they're the best players in the program. But we also have to think <laughs> about it from a, you know, a perspective of. Um, you know, we also need to have defenders and goalkeepers. So we're we're looking at the position groups and taking the strongest players that will not only thrive in the seven v seven environment, but also when we do get into the exibi- exhibition phase of this, that we can actually put together a team, right? Like we—that's mm-hmm. kind of the ultimate goal. But with it being a supplemental model, I'm I'm okay with looking at the the, the player pool and the rankings and saying. You know, we have these four players. They're they're of very high quality, but they might play the same position. And we'll let them fight it out in the training in environment in the seven v seven environment for who would then be the top at the position or the or the top half of the position group to then be selected if if, if and when we do go full elevens.
1: It's interesting too because you're going to get kids that I mean these are kids. That's the there's <laughs> a difference, right? So it's it's it, I can see how it's hard to expect. A 16, 17 year old, maybe 18 year old to, to be able to switch seamlessly from here's my system at MTA, here's my system at Minneapolis City, you know, or uh, here's my system at Blackhawks, here's my system at St. Paul Central, here's my system at Minneapolis City. Like all could be very different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to evaluate them outside of the Minneapolis, I would think you would have to evaluate them outside of the Minneapolis City John Bisworm system uh, mm-hmm. first. And yeah. then. You know develop them over the years to grow into what we want them to be potentially
2: right i mean you're you're 100 correct i mean but ultimately for me when i uh, personally when i go into the evaluation period i'm really looking for a few things i I'm, I'm looking for you know technical ability number one like can they pass trap and shoot right like mm-hmm. That's like number one, whether no matter where you play on the field, then I'm looking at the communication level that they have, because that's hard for a kid in this age range. Like a lot of them aren't the communicator or aren't the connector that you would see them be at 21, 22, 23. Um, And, and they, they are growing. And I, I think that as a, as a coaching staff, we have to be very mindful of that. And I found myself falling into the trap a little bit being like, you know, when I'm evaluating a kid saying like you know, he, he, he has a good foundation. However, he, he has too many things that we would need to give him to, be in the, to, to thrive in the environment. Whereas sure. another, another kid I look at and I was like a, a little raw. However, um, given the opportunity to be taught will absolutely elevate and could be a potential player for us for the future. So it, it is a delicate dance, but you have to, again, be mindful of the fact, like, again, they're, they're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. So it's like, I I found myself when we were, I was watching the 11s, like, oh my God, that guy, that kid totally missed his, his wing, his, (laughs) his winger, like his winger checking back into space, doing his job. And then immediately checking back towards goal. And like, all he had to do was put the ball into space. And that's a goal scoring opportunity, like totally missing that. And then I'm like, wait a second, John, Uh, this is the second time they've played together. Uh, um, yep. this is the kid. These, these two kids are of totally different markup playing styles. Um, you know, the kid held onto the ball because he didn't want to make a mistake. Cause now we're in, we're in a trial atmosphere. We're not in training. The team hasn't been selected. Like I, I like I had so many fits of emotion about one simple play. I was like, okay, stop, relax, <laughs> calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but, but I think the, the ultimate thing is that, you know, it's, it's, it, actually, actually I'll, I'll stop there because I'm going to get into it in, in a little bit.
1: <laughs> all right, man. So now the trials are over. Uh, <clears throat> you're in the process of choosing these teams, right? And I'm sure you and you and the other coaches are are comparing your worksheets and stuff like that. What's next?
2: Wow, well, uh, man, you got me all worked up there. I got I got I to compose myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, this, you know this is obviously our first year of the program and things could have gone one of two different ways. Um, it could have gone the way of Minneapolis city, uh, PLA in 2016, um, where, where, there was some, you know, some chances to get some, some real big names in the local scene and just kind of figure out what happens. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not know what to expect, um, try to just, um, you know, put them all together and hope it works. Or we could have seen um, that we, you know, unfortunately, because it is a a new program, that we're getting a second tier of players that we would have ideally maybe not selected if we were to get the people that we really wanted. Um, Sure. And that's because of the fact that nothing on the players, but it's because of the maturity of the program. Um, And I think that's a real big thing for us as a club to be okay with, um, that... It's it's the first year, and as long as yeah. we can we can we can follow through with all the check marks in the boxes that we wanted to complete, um, we may not have those you know the, the the one percenters. They may be the the kids that are going to Minnesota United, um, which is a, you know a, 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 a pro system, and be okay with that. And but I don't think yeah. we I don't think we we came across that. So the the trial so far could have gone in one of those two directions. Um, I really do feel. Nate, and I'm not just saying this, that it, it's been a fantastic start. And and yes, there are players that might be more of a project, um, but they have that foundation to grow that I talked about. Um, there are some players that haven't even come in yet that I that I personally have seen play. Um, or some of our coaches have seen play, and and on paper would put them into the into the program without a sight unseen, basically. But wow. you know, it is a trial process, and with COVID, we have to just adapt to it. So, um, so there's also some of those guys that are out there. But ultimately, there are there are there are players that are in this trial process that can absolutely play, and I get really excited watching them. Um, and and I think that they're you know. They're the guys that that one day could be on the first or second team in the club, and maybe a few of them could get elevated in the first year to be you know squad players or um, training players in the first or second team. I, I've I've seen that level of talent already, um, but I, I know it's it's hmm. I, I know that you know um, what what's eased the anxiety of some of the of the staff and the, and you know the, the the front office folks in the club is that we've, we have we have in a weird year I've been able to identify um, at least a third, if not more players that, that can use this program to elevate themselves and also elevate soccer in Minnesota, which is why we started, why we started the project. So I think this is really going to be a benefit for, for Minnesota soccer to grow. And uh, I, I'm really excited to to get to the final phases here and then ultimately selecting the team and get them started. Um, That reminds me
1: how many, how many kids are going to end up in, in the program at the end, 40.
2: I believe it was around 40. Um, Now you're starting to get into JJ questions that I don't really, I don't really remember (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, I know that, um, you know, we wanted to get 68 ish players out for trials to, to make it all work. And we got about, we, we had about 80. um, Actually, I think, actually I have the paperwork right next to me. I think we have, we have 91 players who (sighs) signed, who signed up for the program. To go through the trial process, and out of those wow. ni- out of those ninety one, um, we need to select at least forty four to successfully pull off the the um, the program. So, wow, we we have it. It's it's there. And would I um, would I be comfortable with um, the players that we we've seen so far to to start year one of this program? Absolutely. Um, would I also welcome uh better players if they're out there absolutely that's that's the point right so have the top talent but i'm not i'm not saying that to discredit what i've seen because i have seen the quality um but uh but yeah man it's it's all there
1: very exciting man hey this is a you know manager career mode this is the best part about it the youth scouting
2: (laughs) in the new fifa uh speaking (laughs) Speaking of FIFA, I I have been waiting for you for, what is it now, almost a month of the game being out to recognize one particular thing that it took you till today to mention to me. And what is that? Yeah.
1: Luke Luke Hawkinson is in the game. He's
2: in the game.
1: (laughs) How crazy is that? Our guy.
2: I... I, (laughs) Well, I'm the first Minneapolis City player alumni, uh, or second because Brandon buys second. Brandon buys in it. How many MPSL clubs can say they have two guys in FIFA? Um, no not, kidding, not many. Um, but I actually purchased Luke Hawkinson in my uh, my career mode that I started this weekend.
1: I just bought him tonight too. <laughs> He's not very good. He's not very good in the game. Yeah, sorry, Luke.
2: <laughs> your numbers. Sorry, suck. dude. Your
1: your potential is is quite low. Yeah, but yeah. playing a very bad team, so.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I also uh, may or may not have purchased Brandon By, and his numbers are a little higher. He's been in the league a little longer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, super awesome to have another Crow flying in the FIFA match.
1: I agree. How cool is that? It's super cool. Our next guest is new to the pod and new to the club. One of eight new coaching hires. Uh, Michael Prunty will be taking over as the head coach of Minneapolis City 2 leading our UPSL team to glory across the Midwest. Uh, (laughs) Michael, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. So as you know, uh, we've kind of touched on a little bit. You know, John and I have been around, and this club has come a long way since the days of needing like, two coaches and a biz worm, right? (laughs) (laughs) As this this organization has expanded, we've really found ourselves kind of growing beyond the familiar circles of people that have come up in the club. And uh, which kind of leads us to all of a sudden, we've got eight people that we've, they, you know, that, have, you know, a lot of fans have never seen before or heard about. So talk a little bit about yourself and your soccer journey. Like, where did you grow up? How did you come to to love and then eventually to coach soccer?
0: Um, oh, yeah. So I'm originally from uh, the state of Iowa. Uh from actually a small town just outside of Des Moines, so the town of Adel, Iowa. And um, I jokingly say that I'm as stereotypical Iowan as you get as far as like I grew up in the country. I was in 4-H. I had animals. It didn't really mesh <laughs> with like soccer. Um, I was lucky enough though to be uh, close enough to a, a metropolitan area. Soccer is a thing and um, and that was my interaction with the game. My parents had no concept. It was you know, something I stumbled into, got into the right team and uh, really loved it. Uh, my family is teachers, teachers and coaches. So that's something that we all did. Um, most of them played college football and wrestled and again, traditional Iowa sports, but uh, I veered off the path slightly and uh, pursued soccer. Uh, so it really just took me through, uh we had a college, I played college at Simpson College in Indiana, Iowa. I spent most of up in Minnesota playing all the schools in the non-conference. So I'm pretty familiar with Minnesota from that perspective. Uh, But, yeah, I just spent my time there. Went went into teaching straight out of school. So I was physical education. Uh, Kind of couldn't let go of soccer. So that brought me back into the Des Moines area and coaching club soccer, high school soccer. Um, Actually moved to Colorado to coach club soccer and work. and, And then all of a sudden, this idea of college soccer pulled me back to Iowa uh, and I went down the college route, so I've been a men's college coach for 6 years was a head coach at a school in Missouri. Um, life takes you all over the place. Came back yeah. to Iowa. Um, and then from Iowa, I was working club world. I was also a head women's soccer coach at a division 3 school in Cedar Rapids, Iowa called co college. Uh, and then this past year, my wife got a great job opportunity at the VA here in Minneapolis. And so uh, I resigned that role and we moved, moved to Minnesota. So we became official Minnesotans in, in May. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a, uh, my resume is just growing in length. I don't know if it grows in quality, but a lot of stops along the way, that's for sure. <laughs> so how did your paths eventually cross with Minneapolis city? Uh, so, uh, I'm a big fan of Twitter, um, I just think it's a good it's a good outlet but uh just followed along and just saw what was going on and had a couple of friends um through the Des Moines Wonders who was a as a club in Des Moines who had had played Minneapolis City's U23s and some exhibitions and then I actually got to know Jeremy Handler as well who's prior who was on the staff prior so when he heard that I was coming in the area he's like you got to reach eyes." he said you'd be a great fit um they're doing really great things you'd love it so it was hard to argue with Jeremy so I uh, reached out to Adam, and that was kind of my introduction to the club.
2: So um, there's not a lot of. I just want to go back real quickly with something that you said. Um, you know, not a lot of folks really think about Iowa as 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 a soccer hotbed. Um, you know, no disrespect to Iowa. Um, many friends and soccer players I play with from Iowa, but can you talk a little bit about the, I, I feel like there is depth at the college level um, in Iowa that maybe some people don't really know about.
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't think it's that drastic. I mean, our population is obviously much smaller than uh, Minnesota, but it's very similar in the sense that we, you know, we really only have one division, one program in the state of Iowa at Drake University. So there's not a lot of options from a proceed like scholarship high level. And so what that does is a lot of the, a lot of the best players in the state and playing at some of the really good private liberal arts schools um, and, and creates a really good level at the division three level. So, um, And I, I think the next piece of that is, um, we also attract a lot of student athletes from out of state, um, mainly mm-hmm. because of the small private school model doesn't exist in the West Coast as much. So you know, I personally, in my college days, played with guys from Colorado, Idaho, California, uh, Brazil, Germany—you know, all sorts of different individuals. So, um, kind of a shock to be in, in them, as they always thought they were coming to a bunch of cornfields. But um, the scene—the <laughs> scene in Iowa is is pretty strong. It's just a smaller base. I would I would say like the quality of coaching is really high. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, it's a different it's. You just know everyone. That's all I can say is from a soccer perspective, (laughs) you either played against him, coached with them, or, you know, he had some effect with them. So, um, you can't hide. Right? No, no. They, everyone knows who you are. So, (laughs) so you talked a lot about your,
2: your upbringing in in the game. Um, and you know, the, the, the multiple, you know, teams you've coached all over the country. What's your, your coaching philosophy and how will that, um, and your strengths translate into coaching at this level with this level of players?
0: I think, you know, uh, if I had like a something that's kind of like the undercurrent for everything I do, it's, you know, I hope that to lead the game in a better place. And as I've been around the country is, you know, interacting with different players and different experiences is I really think that um, in a lot of environments, players are sold short. Um, I don't, I think that they're not given the depth and that cultural experience that they get elsewhere. Um, and so really trying to share the game with them in a way that when they leave the game, Um, they're able to be good stewards of the game. And what I mean by that is um, coach them in a way that develops a deep understanding of the game that then they can teach it to their kids. I always joke with all my players that like Hmm. one day you're going to be working, even if it's just with four-year-olds, five-year-olds, your kids, you're going to be a coach in some fashion. And so have we given you the tools to impart good soccer knowledge um, to those players? Um, I get it's an opinion on what I believe to be good soccer knowledge, but um, my, my philosophy really is, you know, the, we we need to function on a global perspective as far as how we teach the game not an american perspective not what works in american high school or american college um, but we need to, to impart knowledge from a global perspective and so trying to just it's really just understanding that the game is more about space and control and 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 less about um athleticism perhaps sometimes which can be used in the united states but i'm um, just really teaching them like it's you know athleticism helps but there's so many different ways you can play the game and understanding that if you have the mental capacity to control space that you can really dominate the game at all levels work
1: smarter not harder
2: there you go
0: so even though our program all
1: i would say minneapolis city as a whole is definitely here to help develop talent arguably i think your team uh, minneapolis city two, is the linchpin of that because your team is the one that's going to be leaned on by college coaches, by high school coaches, all to develop their players throughout the summer. How are you going to juggle their needs, the needs of those coaches with the needs of, of our team and in our program?
0: Yeah, it, it presents some fun challenges. That's for sure. And I think, you know, the big, the big thing for me is being able to form relationships with each of the players to understand what are the goals and what are their needs um, from, from their personal development, but still understanding that, you know we're here to develop them as individuals but we want to win trophies um, sure. and that's yeah. that is a delicate balance um and i think you know most coaches that are working with that age group that's you know we all want to win and that's part of it but are we doing it in a way that's also helping these players you know develop to the first team because that's really Outside of winning, you know, UPSL trophies, that's really our purpose is to push kids on and get them into the 1st team. So, um, you know, I think it, it starts with me forming relationships. I got lucky to have an assistant, Kevin, who who probably knows the player pool much better than I do being in Minnesota. So how quickly we can get to know each other and get to know the players and kind of get a feel for what they're looking for out of the experience and then trying to mesh what we're trying to do from a, a team perspective.
2: You you talked you talked about it briefly. I'm hoping you can maybe dive into a little bit more. I mean, you're taking over an established team with lots of talent that was selected under really a previous regime, um, and then ultimately halted by COVID this past summer, um, and, and didn't get a chance to feature in the UPSL. I know there was a lot of high high anticipation across the UPSL uh, platform across the country of us entering into into that new into the league as a as a new team and you know rebranding the team into going away from the u23 moniker and a whole bunch of stuff but you you kind of been given something that's already got the wheels in motion what's your first order of business now with the team
0: um you know i, I think you're know, trying to evaluate what's there um you know what mm-hmm. what, str- what strengths lie within the team um, and then starting to share my vision of the game and how that can mesh with with their strengths Um, I think that's the biggest challenge is, you know, there's a little bit of convincing that needs to be done from a coach's side. You know, anytime you take over a new team, it's. You're a bit of a salesman, um, as far as like, this is, these are my ideas on the game and obviously, you know, working with, you know, Matt and the 1st team and what we want to produce from a larger perspective. But some of them on the ideas that we have on the game from a club wide perspective, um, and then, and then still being able to. Use them to highlight their strengths, um, I say, like, Mm -hmm. really, we want to make the best players the best as often as possible in the game. Um, and, and that, you know, how do we go about that? You know, obviously it depends on on the qualities of the players.
2: The nice part is that the team that you're inheriting is not short on really interesting personalities and, <laughs> and, and quality. So I think um, you're going to find some re- a really good group of guys. Once you really sink your teeth in, uh, like club, club guys, guys that like, are just like us and they think about the game like us and they're just excited to be in Minneapolis city's ecosystem as much as, as we are as, as, you know, coaches and, and front office staff.
0: Good, good, good. So
1: you've <laughs> coached, I mean, you've coached all over the place. You've played soccer all over the place. Um, what do you see are the benefits or the, like the, I guess, the advantages of UPSL that the UPSL can provide for players at you know, at the age and skill level that you'll be coaching them? And what are some of the bigger challenges that it's going to pose? I
0: think, you know, I, if I even, well, like most coaches, we go back on our playing experience. But um, you, go, you go back to a time when I was a player and, you know, in, in Des Moines, we had a very successful PDL team, which is USL2 that won the national championship in Des Moines Menace. But really, if you weren't, I mean, they weren't, they didn't pick many local kids and the local kids didn't last very long. Uh, and then if you didn't make that, there really wasn't an option. Um, there wasn't an option to further develop. So you are doing it on your own or playing in Latino leagues or, you know, various other environments that, you know, you did what you could, but, and I think that's, you know, one of the biggest benefit of this UPSL model is, or, you know, this MC2 is that there's, you're still on a developmental path. We're still working you towards a goal, um, but you're still getting competitive games and you're fighting for, for uh, and you're getting, you know, what we believe to be good coaching that's going to help you along that path versus you know in my case um we were making it up as we went um some of the stories i have from the latino leagues in the des moines area i think you could write a book on as far as what i saw um, <laughs> the things i experienced and um so i think uh those was, were those were valuable but i think we we're able to give them a much more organized high level um or as you guys say you know professionally amateur experience that is going to keep them going on that path versus it being random Um, and and kind of leaving it up to chance.
1: Sure, and how about challenges?
0: I think that, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, is is the short-term season. Um, How do you impart good knowledge in a a playing style to players when you're managing um, not a lot of training sessions uh, where you're, you know, to be honest, you're either preparing or you're recovering, which is very similar to their experiences at the college level. So it's not new to them, um, but we still want to be able to impart our ideas on them in that in that tighter window so you know those are gonna be some of the challenges and, and then obviously me personally get to know them as quickly as possible so that we can can do good work from the start.
2: Is there a coach that you had in your past that you've you draw from or left a kind of a lasting impact on you?
0: Yeah you know <laughs> my college coach um, the only reason I got better is because we played with better players. Um, but I' really say a Brazilian gentleman. And who was very different to what soccer was at the time. His favorite saying was, "You know, let the ball do the work, and we build out from the back." And you know, this is the '90s in Iowa, where you know most of the coaches had a had a British <laughs> accent. So, um, you know, we played in a in a very different way. Uh, and I would say, just even then, just has completely kind of like changed my frame on what I view the game was, and 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 how we go about it. Um, you know, we still want to have a little bit of flair and fun, and be able to express ourselves um but still do it in, the, in an efficient way as always so
2: you know the we're currently now two full sessions into the the futures trial process i know that that isn't your 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 ship to lead in the club but you're definitely much so part of it um Nate and i dove a little bit deeper um uh, before we we had you on on kind of my thoughts of about what what's happened so far in the in the sessions but i'd love to hear your thoughts on how how do you think it's going and, and what you maybe saw from, you know, the experience and the players overall um, so far? Yeah, I think
0: the thing I, I think I enjoyed the most is how how close the guys have gotten to each other in a short period of time. As far as some of the camaraderie and the support for yeah. each other and some of the work that we're doing, you know, just the other night. We're, you know, we're doing timed events and some of the relationships that are building. I, I think there's there's definitely quality there. Um, and how I almost look at it is there's quality with a lot. of really molded and shaped that could turn out very well for the club in the future um, I think that's the exciting thing youth you just see all the potential that they have and what you can do with it and um, you know we're lucky if we have the opportunity to help shape that um, is a big part of it but not I'm impressed with some of the work great some of the the stuff that the boys have done um, Given any type of trial experience can be stressful um, It's tough sometimes to be at your best when you're not surrounded by your mates or your typical environment. So they've been impressed by their, their mentality and and, and the work of a lot of. Them.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a really interesting point and it could just be like the Minnesota niceness, but you're you're 100% right and I didn't even really pick up on it until you mentioned that um, it is it is kind of very unique on how. How well these guys have come together from like an interpersonal perspective in like, you know, less than 5 hours of, of playing with each other. Yeah, like I, I've never really come across that. Before. Yeah,
0: I, I think in the, it's, it's funny, like when you, how I looked at working at different youth clubs and we looked at it is we wanted to, we want to group people by shared levels of commitment. You know, they might be very levels of skill, but when we can get the same people that are interested in the same commitment level. Um, you can really do great things. That's the same thing. Like even though there's like various levels of abilities that have been coming out, they're obviously there for a reason Um, and they're committed to their growth as a player. So when you can get those type of individuals grouped together, um, you know, the ability to to push them forward becomes much easier.
2: Man, the brotherhood runs deep all the way to the
1: youth level. (laughs) The baby brothers.
2: Yeah, the baby brothers.
1: (laughs) Would you say that approach is common or is that something that you have kind of developed personally this idea that like really it's you look at commitment first to the process and then you can evaluate skill level after that
0: i I think it's rare um i got lucky to work under a a club director in iowa city that um that was his starting point especially at the younger ages because and you could even say some of these boys that we've worked with at the trials they're not the finished product some of them are still growing some of them are grown men I think it's it's not fair to make broad assessments when they're not when they're not done yet. Now, obviously, we want we want to play a huge role in their development, and we we have to project. That's just part of you know our roles as far as you know evaluating talent. You're trying to project, but um, if the sure. mentality is shared, I mean that has to be the starting point for good for great things. I mean, if everyone's on the same page, um, and then we'll do our best to help them develop to their maximum. But yeah, I thought it was rare um, to be honest at the youth level. And, it, and this gentleman that I worked with his name is John cook which is his goal was he wanted teams winning state cups at u-18 he didn't care about some of the younger age groups because he was just more focused on getting the right the right group of committed players and then doing the work you know players so so yeah I think that's something that you know we can do even with kids that are you know 16 19 you you know I don't think it it expires I don't think that idea expires at a certain age
1: I think it's funny. Earlier, John mentioned there were some kids that uh, might not have prepared for the, might not have been prepared for the level of activity they would have been put through. So they ended up running <laughs> to the bathroom for to visit Uncle Ralph, as he put it, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you'd prefer, on some level, you'd almost prefer the kid that you know is working working his ass off to keep up. You know, super committed, and you know goes pukes, comes back, tries again you know, to, to the kid that knows he probably could make the team and doesn't really try.
0: Yeah, no, I I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting balance because, um, I think I even, I, one coach even gave it to me this way was, you know, you got to have the guys that can, you know, play the piano and you have to have the guys that can carry the piano. Uh, (laughs) And and if that balance gets off, your, your team's not going to do well. Um, so it's funny, sometimes the piano players are not always the ones that are really putting themselves in that situation from a, from a mentality standpoint. But there's ton, there's, there's plenty of them that are I'm that d- way anyways, but I don't want to like do any broad organizations. Yeah.
2: I've definitely played against a lot uh, teams full of piano carriers. <laughs> I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> and if you can be both, you're, you're special.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Well, Michael, it's uh, it's time to play a game. We've had, uh, we've had a lot of games on our show over the, over the last four years. This is, are we almost at five years probably? Um, but, yeah, but our newest game is one that we're calling Ask John Anything. So you can ask John two questions about anything. And this might be hard for a guy like you who might have just met John who doesn't really know him as well. Um, but really, these, this is an open forum here. So it could be soccer related. It could be something like which one of his kids he thinks is – gonna drop out of high school like who knows right (laughs) if John answers both of them truthfully which he will the the game is over but if he pleads the fifth on any question then he has to answer your next one so the trick I guess is to to trap him with the question you think is that he, he thinks is as bad as it gets and then really have something super sinister in your back pocket
2: the other way to, to look at it, though, is some people have come on and, and asked questions because they wanted to hear me tell a story or it's a, true. a different unique perspective on something. So it doesn't have to be a stump scenario. I don't want you to go into that. But <laughs> if you'd like to, I'm up for that challenge.
1: It could be about just pulling up a stool and listening to one of Uncle Biz's tall tales. May. And I at least get two, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, you yeah. get two for sure. Right. Yep. Well, I don't know if I have any stumpers. I think it would just be more to hear interested in your answers. Um, I would say, I think my first question is, um, if you could replace the coaching staff with any musical band, who, who would mm. you pick and why? Oh, oh. Um, well,
2: uh, as Nate is fully aware from our our. Unique road trips that we've taken together, uh, as part of the city experience. Yes. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the band fish. Um, and I, I think that that does translate well from a soccer perspective. Um, not only just like the playing style, which is very improvisational, but the, the fact that if you're talking about it from a coaching staff perspective, you need and you were even saying it too that, that shared that that shared atmosphere of of being on the same page in order to uh move forward collectively. And I think that a lot of people kind of shit on music like that um because (laughs) of the (laughs) fact because of the fact that it's not your your three minute uh hook and bar scenario. It's very, it's very very much so now it's your time to take over for two, three minutes and go, go get after it and be unique and be yourself. But you're going to have to come back in and then, you know, play the background music while the, gu- the guitar solo is happening or the drum solo is happening or the horn section comes in. And I think that that does translate well to a soccer perspective because on a coaching staff, um, you know, there's there can never be. Too many people that, uh, that offer different, uh, ideologies and thought processes, but you need to have that shared that shared thing that that morsel that brings you all together and you can be unique and different. And, you know, I look at our staff that we currently have, and I think that's, it's very much so the makeup, you know, we all get along as you've seen, and you're now, you're now part of that, but we're all unique in our own right. But when we, when it gets down to business, we're, we're all doing it for the the same reason. That's good.
0: No, I,
1: great question. Awesome answer. That
0: was good. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, there has to be some structure there for the improvisation to actually work. So no, that was good
2: yeah 100 and then
0: i would say the last one is um if you could if you could offer one critique to the coaching staff of the first team based on your assessment well we'll call it now the 2019 season because there was no 2020 season what's your critique of the team to the coaching staff like what would you change
2: i think that um my main critique is something that manifested towards the end of the season. Um, I, I think within our club and we've talked about it before on the show, we're at, we, we've, we've come to an impasse where we're now five years into the process and the horses that ran the race for us, the first four years, um, got us to a very fantastic point. Um, however, there, as we've seen even at the, the youth level in the, in the futures trials, there is hunger coming up on the heels of the of the the veterans that got us to where we're at today and i think that last year was was um a down year Mm. in our conference and we were able to um i think you know whether you like to hear it or not if you're a, a other team in our conference i think we handily took the conference title again um without the need to really push ourselves and then we saw at the end of the season with players getting more playing time that fell on that on that youth level and really did carry us over, I think, some big humps to, to get us into the playoffs um, and, and win the title. Um, like Eli Goldman would, would be a good example. Um, Aiden O'Driscoll, um, the 17-year-old that we, um, we had in um, Kevin Andrews. Those younger players not only pushed the older players in training, but... Um, they were given at, at some point throughout the year, less of, a, of an opportunity because we were just kind of rolling through the conference. Um, but when we really needed them, we leaned on the youth. And I think that um, I would like to see that more. And I think we're moving towards that. But last season, I, I think, was that last kind of push up the, uh, up Everest for us to realize that, um, yeah, we can still have the, the old haggard veteran and I say that uh, very tongue-in-cheek because our veterans are like 26, 27, 28. Um, but those veteran players that are pushing, that that are carrying us, but we can influx the youth and allow them to have their opportunity to shine, and there's not going to be a drop-off. So I think we're we're getting there, but last year, I, I think maybe there were opportunities where we could have seen it earlier, but we were, we were just winning, so it did, we didn't need to.
0: Sure, Alex Ferguson, we need to know when to turn the team over. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah totally you nailed it
1: cool well this guy knows you too well
0: already sorry i didn't i didn't do i didn't have any stumpers but i thought the no those are okay
2: those are good questions that's why the the segment isn't called stump john it's called ask john anything yeah cool
1: how the interviewee has become the wait interviewer
2: yeah the student has become the teacher, I believe, mm. is what I, I texted to Allie after uh, her, her
1: <laughs> well, show well, last well. week. The, the new coaches are, are treating you much better than the old coaches.
2: And the players. The <laughs> players have been ruthless.
1: <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much, man, for joining us. Uh, it's great getting to know you, and we look forward to, to seeing you on the sidelines and the team on the field in a uh, safe 2021 let's keep our fingers for sure yeah yeah. thanks guys it was
0: fun
2: that is all for this week's show folks thank you as always to our show sponsors summit brewing company friends listen listen here uh if you have not tried it yet the dark infusion coffee milk stout Mm. is so good i'm drinking one right now uh and i'm not really a stout guy so you know hear it from the horse's (laughs) mouth fantastic (laughs) fantastic Uh, at least not yet uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. At least not yet. Uh, I- I'm not going to actually try to tell you what makes up this stellar sipper. So just g- do yourself a favor, um, head on down to your local liquor store today and pick up the party pack where, which is the only way you can get it. Um, and you will not be disappointed summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. Hey, if giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give the club that gives back. It's Tax season's right around the corner, whether we want to want to believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game, as well as our newly formed Futures Program Scholarship Fund, um, where you can donate and, and get a kid into trials, which we're currently in right now. Consider a tax-deductible donation to a truly city-focused organization. Do you have anything you want us to cover? Uh, You have not told us that in quite some time. So any guests you want us to have on um, any quests you want us to to undertake, send us mail. It is super easy to do. You can hit us up on Twitter at the people's pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments and concerns are welcome. And finally, complain to the club on Twitter at SC. Also, remember to head on over to twitch.tv slash MPLSCitySC and subscribe and join my guy, Nate Morales, Mm -hmm. uh, every two weeks to get your FIFA foot fix as Nate uh, (laughs) comes to you um, and takes you through all things Ultimate Team related in that world with City players max steward and jonah garcia so definitely head on over to twitch.tv slash mpls and subscribe get the notifications when new shows are happening uh it's been awesome i've actually even considered jumping into the the foot world but uh i'm i'm, I'm using my better judgment in order to not embarrass myself <laughs> um so that is all for this week uh, folks i'm john that was michael and of course that was nate and until next week you got hoofed
1: Burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I could staple these bend the goat so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets
2: seized. And everything I see is make. Mc-